Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your business's or restaurant's recycling program. Welcome to episode number 160 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording right here in beautiful Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Support for this episode comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, and they are reminding you to reduce, reuse, recycle, and compost. Remember to use single-use products. That means use reusable shopping bags. Stick them in your car, stick them in your backpack, stick them in your bicycle bags, so you will always have them with you. Also sponsoring this episode comes from the deli at Jackson Hole Marketplace. Go on down there and visit Lauren and Anna. They'll make you something that will put yum in your belly. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I am Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. I've been here in Jackson Hole, Wyoming for 22 years now. This is where I met my wife and we are raising our two boys, Lewis and William. My mission here is to bring you fascinating stories which you will connect to. Some of these people are the people you see walking around town, cruising around on the dike or riding a bicycle in the sunshine of the fall season. I feel we all have a story to share and I wanna bring you stories which you'll connect with. It's gonna add good energy to your day. We can all learn and grow from each other. So let's get out there and share some stories. Before we begin this episode, share this story. Share this episode with some friends, family, neighbors, whoever you come in contact with, and however you listen to this podcast. And today's guests are Bat Case and Aaron Roy, who are with Dancers Workshop right here in Jackson Hole. Babs and Aaron each have a fascinating story and a long connection to our valley, which is each unique in their own personalized way. The impact Dancers Workshop has had in our valley and our state is far greater than anything I had imagined or even knew about before speaking with Babs and Aaron. And today, we, together, are going to learn about the journey of Dancers Workshop over the years, along with Babs and Aaron's journey over the years, being in this community, and why this organization, Dancers Workshop, has thrived in this community and this state for over three decades. To quote Babs, movement is a child's language. And I know with Aaron as the executive director and being mentored by Babs, adults and children in our community will certainly find that language. Good morning, Babs and Aaron. Thank you for joining me here today on the Jackson Hole Connection. Delightful to see you you both with uh, some sunshine illuminating your, your bright smiles. <laughs> right back at you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I do enjoy getting a background history of the people I get to sit down and speak with. And I know that you both have a very fascinating history and, and background of how you um, have become here. Babs, could we start off with you, with you sharing how you landed here in Jackson, how long you've been here, where you grew up, and a little bit of history about yourself? Sure. Well, I grew up in Iowa in a very small river town right on the Mississippi River, a little town called Comanche, Iowa, and uh, quickly left when I was 18 to uh, just sort of 
start to explore the world and got a degree in dance. And I actually started out as a hurdler. I um, was the state hurdling champion. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I feel like that's a big part of my resume is hurdling things. <laughs> and um, anyway, then I uh, danced professionally with uh, several different companies, mostly on the West Coast of the United States, and uh, then ended up uh, moving I went to a New Year's Eve party in Florida and ended up staying there for 12 years and founding a multidisciplinary center for the arts there in Stewart, Florida. And that was a tremendous education for me. I used to say, just because you can doesn't mean you have to, but <laughs> it was a great education, just uh, starting our own organization, building the building and working with many different artists of many different disciplines. And then through that process, I met my ex-husband, Bob Berkey, who's still here in the community. He's an amazing artist and one of my best friends. And um, we worked at Lincoln Center Institute together in New York. And we, through Lincoln Center, toured the West, doing a performance called The Unanswered Question. And I had never been anywhere other than on the coasts of our country. I had been in, first in uh, L.A. and San Francisco and then Miami and, uh, and New York. And here we were for several months driving through the West. And I realized very quickly that I just fell in love with the landscape. And we happened to be in Pinedale when um, a colleague of mine said, you know, there's a job offering in Jackson, Wyoming for uh, education director at a place called Dancers Workshop. Mm. And that was 24 years ago, or no, it was actually 26 years ago. So we took uh, two years of coming, you know, back and forth. Uh, between New York and Jackson before we decided to move here. And I took the job at Dancers Workshop. And then quickly after that, it evolved into, well, Babs, what would you do with Dancers Workshop <laughs> if it was yours? And so I put together a business plan of sorts uh, for the board and they were very supportive, and I signed a three-year contract with them, and here I am 24 years later. So it was, it was just a very organic build. I met Kendra Day early on in my journey here, and she really inspired me with her vision of the Center for the Arts, and I credit her for having created that amazing space for us. I think philosophically, the center is very different than what Kandra imagined, but I do think that it is uh, tremendous. It has tremendous potential to really support the organizations that are our legacy arts organizations in Jackson and have created, along with all of the galleries and the extraordinary beauty that surrounds us, an amazing home for the arts here in Jackson. 
And so with that vision of hers, I really felt like there was potential for Dancers Workshop because when I came, we had 40 students, we have 600 now, and it's, you know, just seeing seeing the potential at that time was what really excited me. And so that's how I got here. And I, you know, I it feels like yesterday and it feels like <laughs> 50 years ago. <laughs> it's sort of both, but it, it's amazing. And along the way, I met Aaron Roy and some other amazing people, Amanda Flossback, who was with me for a long time. And Amanda and Aaron came as a duo, really, in the beginning. Yeah. They came everywhere as a duo. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone confused them. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And I'm so grateful (laughs) to both of them. (laughs) I I am as well. Very grateful for them as friends. They're they're genuinely lovely people. And it all comes from the heart with those two. Exactly. Babs, thank you for sharing that very thorough and, and genuine story. And I'm glad that you were in Pinedale. And was it your sister that said, hey, there's something available in Jackson or? No, it was, um, we were actually, Bob and I were actually teaching at the University of Iowa for that uh-huh. semester. And I just uh, sort of haphazardly as I was headed out on this tour said to the office secretary, let me know if there's any jobs that come in out West, right? And ironically, the woman who left Dancer's Workshop took my place at the University of Iowa, and I took her place here at Dancer's Workshop. I think I won. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I think we both, I mean, I know her now, and I think we both got the trajectory that we wanted. She was very interested in a in a trajectory in academia. And I was very uninterested in that trajectory. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to hear that you both got what you wanted. And what you wanted. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Aaron, your turn to share <laughs> your voyage of landing here and for the second time now. Yes, maybe the third, fourth, or fifth. (laughs) (laughs) I started coming out here to Jackson in 1980 when I was literally, I think, zero years old. And my parents played with the Grand Teton Music Festival, and they did that for 35 years or so. So I think, you know, Jackson has sort of always been imprinted in my brain as a very special and formative place. And for my entire youth, we basically packed up a station wagon and headed from Alabama to Jackson and hung out in Teton Village for for two months with my parents making music out there. And let's see, I was in my early 20s living in New York. I have a dance background, basically just a big arts nerd, anything arts I love and I geek out on and was pursuing a dance career in New York after having danced professionally in a ballet company for a little while. And my career wasn't working out the way that I wanted to at 21. I felt like everything was over. (laughs) And so I, I was working administratively for the New York Philharmonic, which was an incredible place to sort of cut my teeth uh, arts admin wise and learn a lot about running a gigantic arts organization. Um, But I was done with New York and said, where can I go from here? That's very different from New York, but also a place that I might fall in love with. And so I 
applied for an internship with the Grand Teton Music Festival, even though I was at that point far overqualified for that, but thought, you know, let me, let me give this a whirl, headed out for a summer and ended up staying for almost 10 years at that point, worked for the Grand Teton Music Festival, ultimately as their director of development for a few years, met Amanda Flossbach, who we've mentioned, um, became the dynamic duo for a bit, and then met Babs Case, who changed my life very quickly. She was someone who said, hey, you dance, why are you working for a music organization? And I said, <laughs> uh, <laughs> good question. <laughs> and so, yeah, she slowly lured me over to Dancers Workshop where, you know, my I, I, I say this often when I talk about Babs, but I, I came from a, a pretty strict arts background. Uh, ballet is a very strict discipline. My parents were classical musicians. There's not much room for creativity really in either of those uh, arts disciplines. And when I met Bab, she was like, why are you following all of the rules? <laughs> why do you keep chaos at bay? And uh, I said, I don't know, but we can dig into those questions together and see what sort of magic we can make. And yeah, that was, I think, 2009, 2010. Worked with Babs for a couple of years then, and then fell in acting, fell in love with acting through both my sort of entree into modern dance with Babs and with her uh, ex-husband that she was mentioning, Bob, who has a, a, a big acting background, and decided that I wanted to dig in further to learning more than I could probably learn in the Valley about acting specifically. So I went back to New York for, for a decade and studied acting and uh, tried to make a career out of it and made a production company that produced some things actually also in collaboration with Dancers Workshop. Um, but really the Valley has always called me back. I've never stayed away for more than six to eight months at a time, I think with the exception of COVID. And, you know, I just, I think this is a truly magical place and it's my dream to continue figuring out how you know, we can continue to bring excellence and arts to the valley and through the valley. And, and I feel like the arts weave through the valley, much like the snake, they're just sort of intrinsic to this place. And I, I feel called to be here and to, to continue my journey here. Well, thank you for sharing that beautiful story as well. And glad that you are back here in Jackson. And your role at Dancers Workshop is is now, what is your role now, Erin? I'm executive director. So Babs, Babs was both for about two decades and uh, she, she split her role into two and we, we continue to try to, you know, <laughs> fine tune what that means for the both of us. But yes, executive director is my title. <laughs> Congratulations. It's way different than being the intern at the music festival. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when I first here moved here, I was waiting tables at Amagani and yep. you know, working the counter at the liquor store. Now I'm a business owner and talking to you two on a podcast. So <laughs> we grow up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So in Dancer's Workshop, this overnight success that it has had, you know, Bab said that when she started, there were 40 students. And now I think I heard 600 students. Of all ages. Stephanie, yeah. That's um, what remarkable growth and, and shows the importance and, and need for an organization like Dancers Workshop in our community. Let's talk about what age groups and type of um, impact Dancers Workshop is making mm -hmm. on this community. Because when people at first say Dancers Workshop to me, I'm thinking of maybe ballet or some performances. 
but Dancer's <laughs> Workshop is far more than that. So let's get into pull back, you know, the, the curtains here and say, what is Dancer's Workshop for people to understand better? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, the progression for the organization for me, Stefan, because I, when I came, it was mostly an organization that serviced, of course, families and children, and then a handful of adults that were dance artists here in the community. And I guess the way I looked at it was not unusual, but I was trying to imagine how we could increase, uh, you know, over time, I saw that the number of students that were involved were the same, right? So there's in a small community like Jackson, there's a, there's like a saturation point of a number of young people that want to study dance. And so in order to increase that, I think I took my skills from Lincoln Center Institute, which were outreach. And so I developed an outreach program that goes throughout the state of Wyoming, teaching residencies. I developed an adult dance program, which there were a couple of classes, but not like a bona fide adult program. And we looked at tango and salsa and, you know, ballroom dances, East Coast swing, other than just ballet, modern, tap, jazz, hip hop. And so incrementally, we, you know, we developed programs for all different ages. Now we have an incredible wellness program as well, which draws quite a few adult students into Pilates, gyrotonics, melt. And so just by expanding all that Dancers Workshop offers to the people that live here, I could see the potential because Jackson is filled with extraordinary athletes and people that are interested in being healthy. And we just really tried to look at what might interest those people and service those people. And then on top of that, I mean, I look at it in tiers. I look at it in that we service the families and the people that live here. We created Contemporary Dance Wyoming, which brought in and serviced professional dancers that live here. Then we serviced audience members by bringing in highly professional, really extraordinary dance companies so that people can learn more about dance and the process of making dance. We offer free open rehearsals so people can observe the creative process and learn about it and increase their appreciation for the art form. And then beyond that, our outreach program, which you know services schools throughout Wyoming. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty simple equation. It just takes time and it takes people and it takes expertise in our field, which, you know, there aren't professional dancers, a ton of them living here in Jackson. It's not like you can just, <laughs> you know, meet them in the coffee shops, but, um, or put an ad in the paper, like the millions of jobs that are advertised. <laughs> paper. <laughs> but the one thing that I, I realized too, is that by building relationships with the companies that I presented here,
here in Jackson. I mean, for instance, Bill T. Jones Company has been here, you know, probably five or six times. And those dancers in that company love it here. Same thing with New York City Ballet. They would return here anytime. Some people in New York City Ballet imagine retiring here so that they can be a part of Dancers Workshop. And we had the uh, fortunate experience of having uh, Richard Alston early in, uh, that was even before the center was built. They're a London-based company that I brought, and then Galim Dance that I brought for three different residencies, and Fran Romo, who danced with Galim and helped found Galim, called me one day and said, Babs, I want to live in Jackson. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, you can live with me. You can teach, you can <laughs> dance. And so now Franny, you know, has married a local man and is building her life here as well. So it's, it's just been very organic and also uh, very much about supporting the art of dance at all different levels and providing entry into it you know, in all different ways. It certainly sounds as though you have broken down or removed any barriers for people to participate, to learn, to observe, and, and enjoy the, the world of dance mm -hmm. on so many modalities. And thank you for bringing that to our community and oh, making it thrive. So welcome. You're so welcome. I'm, Makes me really happy. <laughs> I bet it does. I mean, it does. Yeah. So many, so many years of, of invested time that you've put into this and the sacrifices that you've made to build it to, up to what it is today. I'm curious to know from your perspective, other communities like ours, other mountain towns, how many of them have an institution such as Dancers Workshop, where they, which is bringing so much culture and diversity through performance and education? I really don't uh, know of any. I think that, I think that Jackson is extraordinary because, because of the way we all live so closely, even though we may come from different uh, economic stratospheres that are in the community. And so because we live so closely, it also teaches us what is possible. Um, I mean, it's very visible to us what's possible and different, um, which can be frustrating or can be, or can be seen as a possibility. And I think that ultimately for me, I, I have an interesting perspective on money. I feel like money is an endless uh, energy source. And I feel like human beings in general are generous. And um, because obviously programming like what we do takes financial support, but it truly changes lives. And I feel like we're very, we're very fortunate here that we have individuals who understand that and, um, and value the arts. And I have to say that as a fundraiser, because fundraising has been a big part of my life here, I have never asked anyone for a dime if I didn't think they were 
of similar philosophy and similar interests because it's just, it's not, uh, uh, what can I say? It's something very intuitive that I feel is that it has to come from the right place. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's hard because now, right now I'm passing on certain responsibilities to Aaron and it's hard to teach that. And it's hard to, because it's, I feel like it's something that I feel when I meet people that they're either genuinely interested or really care. And I mean, the, the people that support us, they care, they really care. And they love being a part of what we do and how we do it. I think those two things are really important to them. That's that's beautiful. And I, I agree that intuitiveness that you feel is mm-hmm. tough to teach. Yeah. But the more time that you and Aaron have to spend with each other, mm-hmm. you provide Aaron an opportunity to absorb that information mm-hmm. um, because it's tough to teach. It's tough to learn, mm-hmm. but I think we can observe and absorb it through actions, mm-hmm. constant conversation. And um, it, it happens over time. And then you wake up, it's like, wow, look what I've learned mm-hmm. from this, from this mentor. Yeah. Um, I do want to have a quick break from a word from our sponsors. And then I have a few questions for Aaron. Um, so when we get back, Teton County solid waste and recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle and join today. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding you to bring reusable bags whenever you go shopping for groceries and other favorite items around town. Reusable bags are great for the environment because they're reusable. They're produced once. Remember to wash those bags to keep the germs away from whatever you put in them. We've already helped remove millions of single-use plastic bags from the waste stream, and now we can do more by not purchasing paper bags. Food waste composting in addition to yard waste composting is available at the trash transfer stations. Call 307-733-7678 for up-to-date hours of operations. Welcome back. We were just talking about how, Babs, you have somebody you can pass on what you have learned as far as growing and nurturing this organization, Dancers Workshop. Aaron, I'm curious from your perspective and to put you on the spot, what is it like in your world coming from so many different aspects of the world of art um, to have a mentor like Babs who said, why are you following these rules? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a good question. You know, I think it takes, it takes a certain something and, and, 
intuition probably led us both to each other, but, you know, it takes a certain uh, type of relationship for someone to say that. And then for the other person to listen and say, well, that's a good question. (laughs) Let's investigate. Um, So I think I, I immediately, you know, just recognized that, you know, a lot of, a lot of what I had been learning and thinking and, and feeling with regards to how arts organizations are run, it's just, it doesn't work. And I think we're seeing that, you know, in, in society in general, you know, the world is evolving. We're all evolving and in good ways and in bad. But I, I, I knew that the structures that existed to support arts organizations would just frustrate me and would ultimately probably fail or be tested, tested, tested. And when I met Babs, I felt like I had the opportunity to learn a different way of doing and to see a different way of doing and to investigate a different way and to to play at, you know, what, when we get to the very bottom of all of this, what is it about the arts and expression that feeds each and every person that we come across? And you see it in the three-year-old who comes into dance class in the morning and you see it in, you know, the 80-year-old who takes a, a ballet class or comes to watch, a, a, you know, a, what they would feel as boundary pushing performance. And we're affected. And I, I just feel like that is so much a necessity to society that we owe it the service of learning how to have the art meet the the society that that's that's seeking it. And Babs just does that in a way that, you know, it can't be learned. I can watch and I can, you know, I can put my own um, twist onto it, but it's just, yeah, it's such a gift to have been able to say like, oh, all right, that's, that's one way. And here are some other ways. And actually she's still, uh, trying and failing at moments and acknowledging the failure and leaping off again and bigger, better ways. And yeah, I mean, life is too boring just to follow the rules all the time. Basically, (laughs) Stefan. (laughs) Gotta take risks. (laughs) I so agree with you. Um, I so why we're here. (laughs) I I love taking risks. Pushing the envelope a little bit to see what else is out there. And some, like you said, some of the ideas you fail, but you ask yourself, why did that fail? And can we approach it from a different perspective, angle, whatever, and make it work? Or do we move on to something else? Right. And I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, Aaron, when you say that the traditional model for arts organizations just doesn't work or didn't work, or it's going to be tested, tested, tested versus the model of Dancers Workshop. Can you give a few thoughts as to what makes Dancers Workshop so unique from your perspective that will allow it to succeed compared to some of these traditional models? Well, I think it, I think it comes down to the word that Bab said before, which is relationships. Hmm. If we look at a European model, a lot of those arts organizations are supported mainly by government. The U.S. created the more philanthropic version where very wealthy people support arts organizations for various reasons. And it's usually not because their heart is attached to the art. It's because it's a tax write-off or because it gains them entrance into a network which they were looking for entry into. And in my opinion, at Dancers Workshop, 
we really have built a, a solid web of people who truly are drawn to the way that Babs does things artistically and it changes lives. I really see that literally every day. And it's, yeah, it's relationships and Babs takes a tremendous amount of time to build relationships. And, you know, it makes me a little nervous, of course, as we see the Valley changing so much. And a lot of the the people who are coming in here, I, 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 it's my hope to figure out how we teach the importance of community and we teach the importance of these, these valuable relationships and, and valuable for the right reasons, um, because, you know, they, they, they have the capacity to, to keep the pulse beating, to keep the vitality of the valley and the uniqueness of the valley going. But I, I just, you know, I don't know the answer yet. How, how, how do we keep moving in the, in the very, um, you know, deep, deep level that, that Babs has built Dancers Workshop to be what it is today? I hope that makes sense. <laughs> it, it does. And I'm going to challenge you on one piece that you said. Mm-hmm. You said, I hope, and I'm going to challenge you to change that language to saying, I will, or I plan to. I do plan to, and I will. <laughs> Thank you. Because I have faith in you that you will. You. <laughs> and, and hoping doesn't get anybody anywhere. Yeah. It's when you create that plan, you create that vision. Babs had that vision originally to do it. Yeah. And now it will be your responsibility to modify that vision as the industry and society changes. That's what Babs did. She modified the vision for the arts in this community and made something new and exciting. And your vision's not going to change. It just might be how you get there, mm-hmm. how you, mm-hmm. you sustain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. You need a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never want. Come on, Stephen. I never want a J O B. No, thank you. I oh, you love what I do. Bring in that sense, Aaron, and I'll be happy. <laughs> I am always here for conversation. Yes, I am always available for you know good conversation and a good meal. Let's do it. <laughs> I just learned something new during this time on the podcast with the YouTube and Babs mentioned about the, the outreach for the entire state. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to know what is dancers workshop here in Jackson, Wyoming? What is the outreach you're doing for the arts in the state of Wyoming and how is it being received? Well, it's interesting, Stephen, because when I first came here to Jackson, I used to travel 22 weeks a year to other schools in Gillette. Uh, I helped develop a program that says that's called uh, Say Yes to Dance. And I don't know of our audience who would be familiar with all that happens in Gillette, but it's a tough community and there's a lot of lockdown facilities for youth uh, called the Yes House. So that was one place that I really enjoyed going to. I went to the Boys and Girls Club and the schools in Rollins, which is also an interesting community. Uh, We built quite an extensive program in Lander and also in Pinedale and Thermopolis. 
I mean, some of the communities I've taught in Cody, some of those communities have lost their funding. So we are still, you know, periodically going. We don't go as regularly to those communities as we used to. But Pinedale has maintained bringing us three weeks uh, out of every year. And we do two programs a year in the spring and in the fall there for reaching all of the elementary students. And then we also do a multidisciplinary workshop in the summer for about 30 kids that attend, um, that is visual arts, creative writing, dance, uh, music. And we do a performance in Pinedale with them as we have done for years in Lander. So it's funding for that, for those schools is dropping away which makes me sad, but this, this is something that we just recently um, invested in a virtual classroom, which came to us through the pandemic. And there's a model for me in Minneapolis at the Cole Dance Center, where they have dance in every classroom throughout Minnesota. So it's my goal to hire full-time residency teachers and put dance in every classroom in Wyoming because movement is a child's language. And so many schools ask children to sit still, be quiet, blah, blah, blah. And it's not how we learn. And so this, uh, I really feel like outreach for us is a, should be and is a priority just because of Jackson's relationship to the rest of this state. The rest of this state does not have the resources that we have. And we should see ourselves as the, as the steward of our art form to the rest of the state. It's very important to me. What a BHAG. Big, <laughs> hairy, audacious goal. I love hey. it. <laughs> If I knew that I was going to live to be 200, I would say no problem. <laughs> no, I think it's very doable. We now have this virtual classroom and uh, we're taking, I mean, we're taking the steps to, we did virtual classrooms um, last year through the pandemic uh, at Munger School. And um, Luke Zender, who's a dancer with CDW, did a fantastic job with residencies all year long last year at Munger. And so we, we have the model and now we just we need a little bit more funding to hire the full-time teachers and, um, and put it all together. Yeah. Well, I, know that you, I know that you two will do it. <laughs> exactly. Sure. <laughs> and and thank you for using Munger as an area to teach this because my boys were oh. able to participate. Well, so. one was last year because um, now this year, both of them are down at Munger. Oh, wow. Well, we're going to continue our program down there this year as well. Yeah. And you know what's cool, Stefan, is at the end of the year, there was a, a performance that Contemporary Dance Wyoming did in the, the gym there for the students. And because all of the students got to know Luke over the, the school year, I've never seen so many boys 
shoot their hands up at the end with questions and how do I do this? How do I become a dancer? And it was, you know, it was just because they had seen the model all year long and gotten to know it in a very, very real way. And, you know, that's what it takes going in and doing the work. Mm-hmm. So that's well cool. Said. I'm glad you have boys there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad my kids go there too. Um, yeah. We're very blessed. We also took Malpaso Dance Company from Cuba there uh, when they were here two years ago. And we did a residency with them in Munger. And we literally had a 600 foot conga line going through the school. (laughs) It was the most elation I've seen in one room. (laughs) And we levitated that school. (laughs) I'm going to ask Lewis about that. I love it. Yeah, Babs and Aaron, you two are making a strong impact in our community locally and statewide. And and I thank you both for what you have done and what you're doing now and what you will do in the future, because there is no hoping there's doing and (laughs) between you both and Aaron taking over, it'll happen. Yeah. If people want to reach out to you two at Dancers Workshop, what is a great way to connect with you guys. Email is great. Our Both of our emails are on our website, which is dwjh.org. Please call me, email me. Babs is the same. Um, yeah, dwjh.org has it all. And we're there and would love to chat. Is there some Facebook or Instagram to follow? for? Oh, DWJH? yes. Thank you. <laughs> that thing called social media <laughs> dancers workshop jh yes instagram and facebook <laughs> the jackson hole connection will be sure to follow you amazing right yes. we will we will follow back yeah awesome thank, thank you thank you so much this yes indeed very fun i had a blast speaking with you both just sitting down having a good old cup of coffee and some water And there's so much that you, that dancers workshop is doing for our community. And for those who are listening, and if there's not a dancers workshop in Jackson, find something similar in your community because Babs, I hope I get this correct, that you said movement is a child's language Mm -hmm. and we as adults forget to move as well. We do. So we need to find our language again. Exactly. We haven't. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, shake a leg and you Thank two have you. a wonderful day. Shake Thank you arm, for your time. Shake a leg. That's so nice right. to spend time with you, Stefan. Thank you. Yeah, great Likewise. Great interview. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye. To learn more about Dancers Workshop, please visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com, episode number 160. Thank you, everybody who keeps listening. Remember to get out there and share this podcast. Give us a rating and review and go talk to somebody, maybe somebody you haven't talked to before or in a long time. Thank you, Michael Morey, for doing all the editing of every single episode and all the marketing and the support that my wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William, give me every day. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.